Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hi, and welcome to Ready to Thrive. My name is Jacqueline, and if you are joining me for the first time, I'm just going to let you know this is a very different episode. And if you've listened all along, I'm going to let you know this is a very different episode. I'm actually going to have a little preamble before the episode, and I'm going to have a post. I don't know if we could call it a postamble, but I'm going to share a little bit after um, the regular podcast. And so today I'm doing something totally different, and I'm going to share with you a talk that I gave um, about two and a half years ago at my church. And to give you a little bit of a setup, um, the main story that I share about in this talk um, occurred January 2017. Uh, I was experiencing some postpartum depression, and um, I end up giving this talk January or sorry, February of 2018. And so it's a few years old, but um, it really is my story up until that point. And to give you a little bit of context, um, everything that I was sharing at church, I hadn't really told a lot of people. And so I hadn't really shared much with my family. I hadn't shared much with any friends. So for some people, when they were hearing it um, at church, they really were hearing it for the first time. Um, sometimes we have these big things that happen in our lives and um, we don't know how to share it with people. And so this was a time of um, really one of the hardest seasons I had gone through in my life. And then um, coming out of that and really God's miraculous hand bringing me out of this pit of depression and uh, anxiety um, and me being able to share that story with my church. And so I want to do a bit of a post amble as well. I want to share, break down some things with you um, that may be a little bit confusing in this story. Um, I also feel a little bit vulnerable sharing this with you, A, because this was the first time we really had spoken. And so I feel like I am a little bit shaky as I speak. And, um, and so that feels vulnerable. It's also a really vulnerable story. It's, it's my personal story. And so as you're listening, um, just sort of remember that, that this is me just sharing live about where I was at in that moment and what had been going on in my life. And one of the reasons I want to share this, um, is because of the scripture Revelation 12 11, and it says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And I really do think there is something very powerful as we share our stories, we share our testimonies. Um, I think there is power there. And so as I share my story, my unique story of um, healing from depression and anxiety, and then um, even just this pretty incredible encounter I had with um, God. I um, I hope that there's something that begins to stir in your heart. 
And I know for a lot of people listening as well, um, you may be currently struggling with depression and anxiety. And I don't know, I don't know why people are healed in different ways. I don't have the market cornered um, on all the ways to heal from depression and anxiety. I just know I look, when I look to Jesus and I see him healing different people in the Bible, um, I see that he healed people in many different ways, right? Some people had instant healing. Some people had um, healing. We've got that one man that um, seems almost healed um, when Jesus kind of says, what can you see? And he's healing him. Sorry, I don't have the reference here. Um, This blind man, he says, I see people that look like trees. And then he um, heals him all the way. And so um, I don't know why certain things happen the way they are in each person's lives, their circumstances and the things that we each struggle with. And um, I know even Paul writes in the New Testament talking about this thorn in his side that doesn't ever really go away. And so I don't have all of those answers. All I can do is share my story. And I hope that that would help you. And the the main thing I want to um, emphasize in my story is that I really held on to a lot of things in my heart. I really held on to a lot of bitterness against my husband and against his job uh, for taking him away so much. And so I do think actually a big part of my healing was letting go of that big root of bitterness and blame. I think if you would have talked to me a few years ago, the conversation would have been me trying to tell you um, how hard my life was. I, it didn't matter if I was sitting with girlfriends whose husbands also traveled or also went away. I had to prove to them that my life was harder and that my husband was away more and these things were tough. And so I just see how um, my mind was really in this hard place. And to be honest, I wasn't really reading the Bible. I wasn't really spending time with God. And and I can see now how, you know, for my mind to be renewed, I really had to be able to really give God all of those difficult, hard things inside of me um, and allow him to begin not only restoring my heart, but also renewing my mind. And so we're going to dive in. I'm going to share my talk, and then I am going to share with you a little post-amble. I don't know if that's a word, but we're using it today um, right at the end. And so I hope you stick with me for that as well. Here's my talk from February 2018. So a few people may be wondering why I'm sharing here today. And quite honestly, it's very shocking to me as well. Um, When Brian asked me to share some of my story, I think I was physically startled. I think I jumped and Myrna laughed. Um, And then I felt like I was going to vomit. So hopefully I won't do that now, but there are no guarantees. Um, My hope is that in sharing this story, um, some part of it will resonate with you. And I have to admit, I do feel quite nervous as this is a personal story. um, And it's hard to be so vulnerable, so bear with me. Just a quick bit of background. I've had a strong faith my entire life. I grew up in a very strong Christian home. I had a deep personal relationship with God, and I married a missionary, as you know, and I volunteered with that organization for a number of years. But at some point in my marriage, and especially after having kids, the passion in my faith definitely faded. I still prayed. I read my Bible occasionally. I came to church, and I listened to worship music. 
But if I'm honest, most of my intimate prayer time came during a crisis. And in general, life is okay time, God wasn't the priority in my life. I would have said he was, but if you were really looking at my life from the outside in, you wouldn't necessarily know it. I probably spent two to three hours a day watching TV, usually some sort of terrible garbage TV, something with housewives in the title. <laughs> Maybe I had another hour or more to mindlessly scroll through social media, and yet another hour to text. But I probably didn't have 15 minutes to devote to solid, focused prayer or to reading my Bible. This became even more of a challenge when I had kids. The only me time I got happened at the end of the day, and sorry God, but I am way too tired. I was empty, and I was depleted. I tried a number of ways to fill myself up. Before having kids, I didn't really snack in the evening and only occasionally had a glass of wine. But by the time I had my third, I had my mindless evening routine down. Some sort of junk food, plus a glass of wine, plus some terrible TV. I would go to bed late, and as I'm a terrible sleeper anyways, I would not get much of a good sleep. In the morning, I would vow to go to bed early, not have any snacks or wine, but by the end of the day, I was spent. I'd had a rough day, and these were the things I deserved, my reward for surviving the day with my children. Besides, this is what nearly every other mom I knew was doing. I realized I was living for this time. I was living for my kids' bedtime, and none of the things I was trying were actually filling me up. And by baby number three, I wasn't having just one glass of wine. I figured one glass per kid was a good equation, right? <laughs> I didn't feel good about myself, and I wasn't in a good place. I was overwhelmed, I was exhausted, and I was depressed. If I did have some me time that wasn't during my kids' bedtime, I would either go grocery shopping or take care of some other errands I'd put on my to-do list, and I was a slave to this list. I truly and honestly believed that if I could just complete the list, then I would be happy, then I would be content, then I would feel good. The problem was that the list never ended, and a lot of the list contained arbitrary things that weren't really necessary. I think it was one more way in which I was being distracted by the world and trying to fill myself up. There were a lot of days I'd text my husband that I was having a hard day, or I'd share that with him right when he walked in the door. I knew it wasn't right that I had so many hard days, but I didn't know how to change it. It didn't help that Brendan was away a lot for work. And when he was home, he was out a lot of evenings really late. I probably spent most of the fall of 2016 just crying. I cried during bedtime with the kids. I cried as I was so overwhelmed waking up the two little kids from naps and hauling them to kindergarten pickup. I cried when they cried, and then I cried some more. By January, I had two friends tell me on the same day, I think you should go see your doctor about postpartum depression. I've always had a bit of seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, which is maybe the best acronym ever, but this was definitely more than that. So I booked an appointment with my doctor, which happened to be on Bell Let's Talk About Mental Health Day. She gave me some practical suggestions of ways to deal with my depression, and also a prescription. I strongly believe that in many situations, medication is helpful, 
and necessary, and there should be no shame surrounding that. But for me, I felt like a failure. I went home and I cried as I took that little pill. And then I had a night of insomnia, which doesn't help an overtired mom. I've struggled a lot with insomnia over the years, so I thought, I'm not doing the pills. I'll just try the other suggestions. So we focused on getting me some sleep, some exercise, and some childcare help. But two weeks later, while we were driving in the car through tears, I said to Brendan, maybe I do need the medication. So I tried it again. Unfortunately, this was at the beginning of a five-day trip that Brendan was on. I quickly discovered the pills gave me a flu-like symptoms, which was awful while I was trying to single parent. So I decided to stop taking them after a few days. And because I write almost everything down on my phone, I know that this was almost exactly a year ago today. I was so depressed. I couldn't even handle taking antidepressants. A few days later, Brendan was back from his trip. It was Valentine's Day, and he'd arranged for us to go to a movie. Because we still had a nursing baby at home, we really only had time to drive to the theater, watch the movie, race back home. So our post-date conversation happened on the couch. We were discussing the state that I was in and trying to come up with an action plan. Brendan then did something that totally annoyed me. He suggested we pray. I know, jerk. <laughs> the thing is, for me, this was a medical issue. This was a physical issue. Why did he have to bring the spiritual into it? So reluctantly, I agreed, as I'd brushed him off a few times before. He led me through some prayer exercises to focus on listening to God and see what he had to say to my heart. He then asked me to confess out loud the things I'd been holding on to, things from my past, my secrets, the ugly things you don't really want to say out loud, especially on Valentine's Day. I confessed these things to Brendan, and I confessed them to God. One thing that really stood out for me was the bitterness I felt towards Brendan and I felt towards Young Life. I had been blaming how I was feeling on him and on his work for taking, me away, taking him away so much. I repented of my sin, and Brendan prayed for me, and out loud rebuked the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of anxiety, and the spirit of depression. He finished, and I felt lighter. I felt freer, but I thought, okay, well, we'll have to see how I feel in the morning. In the morning, I felt fine. My postpartum depression had left me, and it did not return. I went on with life, but I could not deny that something really powerful had taken place that night. I probably didn't share it with many people because it just seemed so out there. A few months went by, and I was doing so much better. I couldn't believe the change that had happened in me. Then there was this one afternoon that Brennan took the girls swimming along with my brother and his kids. I noticed they were out a lot later than they should be, and then I heard a siren in the background. I was convinced they'd been in a terrible accident. I expected a police officer to come knocking on the door at any minute. But when they came home a few minutes later, unscathed, and I relayed my anxiety to Brendan, he made a comment along the lines of, it's not okay to get so anxious about that. And his comment bothered me. So the next day, when I found myself with a bit of alone time, I laid down on my bed and decided to try praying like we had a few months ago. I asked God to reveal to me if there was anything I needed to confess. And let me tell you, 
When you really ask God this question and you're ready to listen, he is faithful. He brought to mind two words, gossip and Facebook. I confessed all that was on my heart. I repented and I rebuked out loud the spirit of anxiety and the spirit of fear. I immediately felt lighter and I deleted the Facebook app off my phone. All my life, I had kept my secrets and sins hidden away. I didn't realize that keeping them locked away was what was tending the weeds of anxiety, bitterness, self-pity, jealousy, depression, and the list goes on. I began to discover that if I participated in gossip, it was as if I opened a door for the enemy to plant a seed in me. I'd always viewed gossip as merely something that hurts the person being talked about. I didn't realize it was actually hurting me and it was hurting my relationship with God. Every time I complained or spoke negatively, I was watering those same seeds. Every time I slandered a coworker or let my pride get in the way, I was allowing the roots of these seeds to grow deeper in my heart. And I didn't even realize it. I was a good Christian girl. I knew gossip was wrong, so I participated in Christian gossip. The, I shouldn't say this, but, or the, I'm a bit worried about so-and-so, how's she doing? I also participated in Christian worry. That's the, yes, let's pray about that. But the second we're done, take back all control in the form of worry. I did this in a lot of areas in my life. I was essentially living by the world's standards, and how could I not? I was consuming the world 24-7. With the music I listened to, the TV I watched, the social media articles I read, I realized that even the female Christian authors I had been reading weren't even pointing me to Christ. They were basically just self-help books. As I became aware of these things in my life, I was able to give them over to God for a major heart renovation. Over the next few months, God started working in my life in a big way. He kept revealing to me women online who became virtual mentors. Though I've never met them, they challenged me, they called me out on my poor habits, they encouraged me to seek God and spend time with Him. One of the women even motivated me to clean up the clutter in my home. For some reason, even before having kids, Brendan and I, for the life of us, could not keep a clean bedroom. But during this season, it just happened. I was learning how to clear the clutter in our home as God was clearing the clutter in my heart. Things were starting to feel pretty good. Last week, Brian spoke about moving from a place of desolation to consolation. Desolation being a spiritual state characterized by fear, bitterness, and unrest. I had been living in a state of desolation. And through confession, repentance, and rebuking of the darkness at work in my life, I was able to move to a place of consolation. It is well with my soul. As Brian shared, it is your choice, not your circumstances. I also began to have mindset shifts in every area of my life. I used, I used to think, this is just the way I am, not realizing I had a choice, not realizing God was the only one who could produce real change. I had been believing the lies of the enemy for a long time, but it was time for me to stop listening to the enemy and to start listening to God. I heard a woman speak here recently at the prayer training time, and she described how sheep hear their shepherd's voice. Even if they're mixed in with another herd, they know their shepherd's voice. 
they will leave the other sheep and they will follow their master when he calls. You can watch this on YouTube. There are experiments where people try calling the sheep, but they will not budge until they hear the voice of their shepherd. So I began to start listening to my shepherd and things were going well. It was well with my soul. Then September hit. I always feel a little hit by September, being a teacher and Brennan's ministry kicks into high gear. And at some point in September, I began to feel this deep heaviness. And I thought, oh no, my depression is back. I would wake up in the morning feeling so heavy. I could barely complete my regular life tasks and everything seemed to take so much energy. I was frustrated. It was sunny. Life was going well. Why was I feeling so down? I was also feeling alone. I didn't see my friends much, and when I did meet with a few of them, I didn't know how to share the heaviness that was on my chest. I didn't feel very connected to them. Sometimes it felt like every single breath was a struggle. I've always had big emotions and feel things deeply. It felt to me like I was in mourning. But the frustrating part was that life was so, so good. The main floor of our house had just been renovated and I loved it. The weather was fantastic. Brendan had just been on sabbatical and we had traveled all over the place. Yet to see the inside of me, you would have thought that I was going through a major life crisis. I just could not shake this heaviness. Eventually, I had enough. October 30th, we had started carving pumpkins as a family and I told Brendan I had to go out. I'd been in a habit for a long time of going for a walk or a jog to clear my head and to pray. I found that being out in nature really helped me connect with God. So I went for a walk to a newly developed wooded area by our house. I was listening to worship music, I was praying, and at some point I sat down on a bench to journal what I was feeling. This is some of what I wrote in my phone. This is a breaking and an awakening, a breaking down and a rebuilding of heart and head and soul and spirit. My chest tightens and I have to breathe, pulling deep as a woman in labor. My friends seem gone, busy lives and friends and families, I can't lean on them. Brendan is gone too, so, so busy, I can't lean on him. I am alone, not alone, you are here. The breaking and rebuilding by you. There is so much I want. I want a purpose and joy. I feel like I am drowning in my own life and my life is good. My life is amazing and enviable. Does that make this all so much worse? I am grieving and mourning and so, so heavy in my heart and I don't know why. I wanna blame Brendan and his work. What if it's not that? What if just being out of line from his purpose for me is causing that? What if I dug in? What if I really committed to praying and following through on the things I believe he is asking me to do? I wanna blame it on seasonal affective disorder and I wanna blame it on mothering littles. I wanna blame it on the way I'm built. I just have such big emotions. It's gotta be more. I stopped journaling and I started walking again. I found another bench and I was determined to sit there with God until this feeling could be resolved. I turned off my music and I just waited. I honestly don't know how long I waited, but then I heard his voice. I grabbed my phone and began typing in my notes what he was saying to me. 
Finally, you are listening to me. I have not meant for you to be a tiny, tiny flame sitting on a hill. I want you to be a huge blaze burning bright for my glory. I have created you with skills and abilities you think are natural and normal. They are not. I have given you insight into people to know them and know how to care for them, not for your gain, but for my glory. I want you to reach women. I want you to call them to me, draw them to me, free them from sin and darkness. Do not be afraid. Listening to my words and doing as I say is the only thing to clear up this darkness and depression inside you. I am trying to get your attention. I want so badly for you to do my will. Don't get caught up in logistics. I am a God of more than logistics. He finished, and then I wrote, peace washes over me, joy fills me. And then I wrote, how do you think Jonah felt running away? I bet he felt sick to his stomach. The heaviness I'd been walking around with for nearly two months was gone. Looking back, I realized that not all of the distractions that kept me from God were bad things. I had depended a lot on my friends and on Brendan to fill me up. And when they couldn't, that was when I made the space to seek him. So I began to seek him fully. I spent a lot of time in prayer and reading the Bible. I knew he'd called me to something. I just didn't know what exactly that was, and I was in a little bit of a panic. A few weeks later, while at church, it was the weekend of the Living Free Conference. I went up for prayer, which I would have never done in the past as I was way too worried about what people, what people would think of me. After the woman prayed for me, this is what I wrote down. She said, lift the heaviness and the need to get it perfect. He wants you to walk in joy. He wants you to rest. She saw a wooded area in the spring and just sitting and enjoying his beauty. She also said, God doesn't want you to worry about the gas in your car or the bolt in your tire, which was a little crazy as I had just driven over a bolt that week that got stuck in my tire. I started having these intentional days of pursuing God. Brennan had given me a weekly chunk of time uh, where he would work from home, and I was instructed to do no errands or appointments, but just pursue life-giving things. At first, this was not easy, because all of my free time had always been used to do productive things. I tried to book a dentist appointment for one of my daughters during one of those first days, and Brendan made me rebook it for another day. He's been so incredibly supportive of me. So I started going for walks and praying. I would often feel this physical scraping of my heart as God continued to peel back the layers. And honestly, sometimes it felt painful. I felt like he was peeling back so many layers of gross sin. And just when I felt he was done and I had arrived, there was pride for him to deal with. He pressed on me, Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I would listen to worship music, journal, and just really spend time in his presence. I did feel a certain amount of, okay, God, so you want me to be ablaze. What does that mean? I'd be seeking him, passionately reading the Bible and seeing things jump off the page at me. I felt like he was giving me these messages in my heart that I had to let out or I would burst. So I started writing. I would take these life-giving days and pursue God and then pour out the words I was getting from him. 
I started trying to hear his voice, to quiet myself to listen, not to force anything, but just to create the space where I was in his presence and open to anything he wanted to press into my heart. I've heard a lot, I've written a lot, and I'm trying to say yes when he asks me to do something. This has been a hard lesson. Shortly after my meeting with God in the woods, he asked me to do something hard. We were going to a dinner with friends, and he asked me not to drink wine that night. What? At all? I chose to ignore that whisper. I thought I actually did pretty well, as I didn't have as much wine as maybe I normally would have. I left the night feeling like, well, I didn't do what God said, but I still did better. What I didn't realize is that while trying to be funny, I had told a story that was dumb and ended up being incredibly hurtful to a close friend of mine. Had I been sober, I may not have told the story, or maybe I still would have, but at least I would have realized that night the implications of my actions. Was God trying to protect me from deeply wounding my friend? Was he trying to save me from myself? I don't know. But I know it felt awful to realize I'd hurt my friend badly, and it felt even worse to know I had blatantly disobeyed God. I am so thankful for the forgiveness and grace offered by them both. I still screw up. I'm still human. I still have not tamed my tongue. But I have a deep peace in my heart. I've been transformed from the inside out. I deleted all of the gross TV shows from our PVR, and actually I barely watch TV anymore. I'm no longer tempted by chips and wine in the evening, and ironically, avoiding all those things has helped me sleep deeper, unless I know I'm speaking in public. <laughs> I knew my true test would come in January. I've always felt the weight of January. Would depression hit me again? I have to say it has tried. It's been gray outside except for today, and we were hit with that never-ending cold that has affected so many people. Not every day is sunshine and rainbows. There are hard days, days where things feel mundane or you just have to do the things you have to do. But I am living in a place of consolation. It is well with my soul, which makes the hard days so much better. I always imagine my relationship with God is like that of my marriage relationship. We need to talk daily, we need to date weekly, and we need to get away together regularly. We need to deal with the conflicts that are keeping us from the fullness of relationship together. We need to confess and apologize. And we need to come together to keep our love for each other alive. The same is true of our relationship with God. I've started going back to the bench where I heard from God. It is our meeting place. Sometimes I only have five minutes, sometimes more. Sometimes I feel his presence deeply, and other times I just sit and listen to worship music. I can't manipulate my encounters with God. I just show up ready to hear his voice. I had talked to a friend shortly after my time in the woods, and as I was thinking about what I was gonna say to you today, I texted her and said, um, what do you remember from that day? She said, I just remember it because that is when I saw the change in you. And this is what I wanna leave you with. The transformation was an encounter with the Holy Spirit allowing him the space in my head and in my heart. I've been so transformed, so incredibly from the inside out, but it is not my doing. I wanna leave you with 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5. 
For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. And I wanted just to show you a slide. It'll pop up. Um, You will fill me with joy in your presence. You will make known to me the path of life. They, they might be backwards, I don't know. Um, but it is a verse from the Psalms, and that, that is my meeting place. So um, that's all I have to share. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you for letting me share my story with you. Um, I know after I shared in person, uh, a woman came up to me and she said, I hope that you don't have a vulnerability hangover. Um, just that idea of, sharing something so personal, it's actually really hard to put yourself out there and share a lot of those details, especially things that you can begin to feel a little bit shame about. And I want to just say a few things here as we close. One, there is um, healing that comes through confession. And so um, for me, as I shared that one night, as I prayed with my husband on Valentine's Day, I was actually getting the junk out of my heart. I was getting those things out that had been hiding there, some for a really long time. Like I shared in the preamble, there was bitterness was a huge part of my story. Um, And this process of confession and repentance, I have participated in many, many more times since this experience. So Um, this is now part of my regular routine. Let's call it my spiritual or soul care hygiene is regular inviting God, search me, tell me what's going on in my heart, confessing it out to him, sometimes even confessing it uh, to someone that I trust. Um, And then he, he does the heavy lifting. He takes care of those things for us. And that's where we actually get to run and walk freely but often, um, often we don't do that. Often we are embarrassed or we feel ashamed or we feel guilt or we feel like it's just, would people really like me if they knew these things about me? Maybe people will reject me. Maybe people um, you know, won't accept me or will view me in a certain way. And I, I can appreciate that. It's really, really hard to be vulnerable and to share these things. And so we just kind of stuff them down. Sometimes we even, similar to purging out a closet, we actually might stuff things down so far that we forget things are there. And so sometimes through this confession process and asking God to search our hearts, he may even bring up things that were like, oh, that that's from a really long time ago, or I didn't think that was a big deal, or it's just this one little thing I want to hold on to. And um, I want to say in the gentlest way, um, but also in a really truthful way, sometimes when we hold on to those things or we keep them stuffed down, those are actually things that are, um, they're keeping us stuck and they're keeping us bound. And it's hard, this process of confession and repentance and getting things out. I, I understand that. Um, And I have to do that again and again, especially if I find myself wrapped up and tangled up in sin, (laughs) tangled up in other things that I don't want to, um, I don't want to be going down that path, but 
I can find myself there again and again. And so I just want to say, um, you're not alone in that if you feel like I'm the only one. And so I want to offer that as, um, you know, again, as I said in the preamble, I don't know why um, so many of us have our struggles with depression and anxiety. And I also hope that you heard through my talk that there is no shame in um, in medication or counseling or any of those things. Those are all part of our healing journeys. Um, and we all have different healing journeys. Um, I just think that this one aspect, this um, really being able to clear out things that may be clogging our soul. That's actually a really, really part of our overall health, well-being, um, and freedom. And so I hope my story is encouraging for you. Uh, I know it's actually not an easy thing to sometimes hear stuff like that. And even if we feel like things come to the surface for us, but, um, I always want to encourage you that when things come to the surface, so that's kind of like the Holy Spirit doing a little like tap on your heart. Um, it's never to shame you. It is never to condemn you. It is always for your freedom. And conviction feels uncomfortable. When things get brought to the surface, it feels uncomfortable. Um, I, I love holding on to things sometimes that feel good, right? Like sometimes it is that gossip or sometimes it is that blaming someone else or um, you know, holding on to my rights, but those things, they kind of, it's almost like having a, having a treat that we actually know isn't great for us. And we have that treat and that first little bite of that treat tastes so good. Um, but then it, it, after a while we don't feel so good. And that's what it can actually be like, as we hold on to the, some of those things that aren't actually very good for us. And so it's that process of letting go and partnering with Jesus. Um, and so we can just sit with him Psalm 139, uh, verse 23 and 24, that talks about um, God, search me, search my heart, and he will bring things up. And maybe things have been brought up for you already. And then we can just partner with him and release those to him. We can say, I confess. You want to confess out loud. Maybe you need to get in a closet. I'm sitting in the closet right now recording. Confess those things out loud. Journal them out. Sit with somebody you trust. Um, and as I shared in the, um, in the message, my husband and I just prayed with authority, which is just in Jesus name. And, and we have that authority. that's biblical to be able to say in Jesus name, those things don't have a right to be here anymore. And actually they have to go in Jesus name. So you can pray in authority and I pray for you that you will, um, be able to run freer um, after you have spent that time with God. And I trust that you will. If this message has been helpful, um, maybe just send me a DM. I would really appreciate hearing back from you. Um, the book that I wrote, Tangled, really came out of this whole process. And um, I am going to start my Tangled course um, online again this fall. Uh, with a group of women. And if that's something you're interested in, you can also send me a message and I'll make sure you get that information. So thank you for sharing um, with me this week. And I hope that it has encouraged you and will help move you one step closer to thriving. 
Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.